All right, welcome back to another episode of the Drumtonic podcast. Today my guest is Mr. Kerim Krim Lechner. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. All right, let's start with the first question. Okay, your career started on YouTube. Why did you start recording YouTube videos in the first place? By that I mean cover songs of different bands and how did this change until now? All right, so there's not too much magic behind it, to be honest. Um, it all started out that uh, I realized it is a very good approach to record yourself in order to check what you do wrong. I mean, of course, you can exercise also with a mirror, but as a video is more fun to, to watch. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the, the back thought was like, okay, I'm going to record this now. And uh, because I learned always to play with songs. This mm -hmm. is how I learned to play drums. Yeah. Just took my most favorite songs and drummers at that time. Mm -hmm. Just tried to copy what they did. So I just put a camera, a couple of microphones, uh, and yeah, so I made the videos. And then YouTube came in a way. I discovered around 2007, I discovered yeah. YouTube. Yeah. I'm sure it existed before, but that was the time where like, okay, cool, that's a new platform. You can upload your, your videos. And I remember just like searching, of course, for videos of my heroes. Yeah. And then I, I discovered people are doing drum covers. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, hmm, okay, I have those videos. I just upload them and see what's gonna happen, just for fun, you know? Yeah. So I did the first, I don't know, five, six songs, and the response was very good, you know? I, I was lucky, it was at a time where YouTube was very small and it was still cool to have one camera with like no cut, you just do it straight, shitty quality. The sound of the drums was very boxy, but for me at the time it was like, wow, okay, it's not distorted, but you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So nowadays this quality would be not acceptable at all. But back in the days it was awesome. So I got more feedback from the people and they actually appreciated what I did and said like, hey, can you do more covers? And I just finished with school. So I had nothing else to do than wait for so my you duty. Were around 18 years old when yeah, we exactly. the first cover. So I remember the Arch Enemy cover. Arch Enemy, Lamp of God I did. Of God. Devil Driver, Demon Borgia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was kind of the first First okay. couple of videos, age 18, yeah. which kind of exploded in a way, I would say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a good yeah. response. Mm -hmm. So I was like, cool, okay, people want more. And then this animated me and motivated me to keep going. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, this actually led me to that even bands such as Decapitated were watching my videos because mm -hmm. I did a Decapitated song. And back in the days, you think like, okay, those are superstars. They will never, never check what's gonna happen on the internet. But I'm wrong, they always check. Yeah, yeah, they do. No matter how big they are, they will always check. And mm -hmm. uh, so it happened that uh, after the tragic accident, we were decapitated and Vogue was looking for another drummer and restart the band. He told me that he saw this video actually still with Vitek. Uh, okay. And Vitek mentioned Whoa. that that's a cool drummer, you know, and probably he has, he remembered this conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah, he reached out to me on MySpace that he has a drama edition happening. MySpace. MySpace. <laughs> wow. MySpace. <laughs> yeah. And he wrote to me, and you cannot imagine, like, you sit there and you get such a message. Mm -hmm. And this was the moment where I really felt like the first time, okay, this, is, this can be a turning point to a, to a career or a direction I want to be in all my life. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, I was not in the band. I was just like, hey, we saw your video. I saw your video. It's really cool. 
and you know I was wondering if you can be part of some sort of drum edition you come to Poland you learn a couple of songs mm -hmm. and let's see what's gonna happen yeah um, yeah so this was kind of the, the start for me to go mm -hmm. to, to this in a professional yeah. way and nowadays YouTube I, uh, I have made I think a name already besides YouTube yeah. so out of nostalgic reasons I want to keep it yeah <laughs> um, I'm not uploading every week a video it's mm -hmm. just I don't have time for this even though YouTube grew so much and my quality of videos I try to always increase them a little bit I do everything on my own so this is the thing it's so much work and nowadays I'm sitting days to edit a video play around with the camera views and angles and lightning so I try to grow there, but it's just fan pleasing. I don't take my YouTube channel as an income or I don't need to push it that much anymore. Okay. Actually now it's some kind of hobby for you. Yeah, it's a hobby. Like so whenever I have the time, uh, I put a video on and then I get comments. He's back. I was never gone. I'm just, I just upload a video maybe every third month or sometimes it's half year nothing. Mm -hmm. True. You know, but back in the days I had no band. I was just focusing on this. You know, making cover videos until they started to delete them because of copyright issues. Copyright issues, yeah. yeah. Okay, but important takeaway, well-known bands still do check YouTube videos. So it's yeah, a good it. idea to get your stuff out there, record videos, upload them. Of course, maybe you're going to get some hate as well, but still just do it. Go for it and give it a try. Exactly. Okay, thank you. Question number one. Next one, now we're going to talk a bit about drum gear, especially the drum gear you used when you first started out. Which double bass pedal would you recommend for someone who is just starting out and which one did you use back in the days? I would recommend Iron Cobra because mm -hmm. I've used the majority, I used Iron Cobras and I think it's a great pedal for every situation. It has a double chain so it's very sturdy. It's affordable still, so we're not talking about a direct drive pedal for a thousand euro and more. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of pedals out there, so if something gets broken, you can fix it easy. And it's a great all-round pedal. People play fast on this, people play also slow with this, and it works in, in mm -hmm. everywhere. Uh, but I remember I started playing drums on a different pedal. It was the single chain, it was a single chain pedal from Pearl. Ah, okay. But I don't remember the number. But it was probably like one of the earlier models with a single chain. Yeah, so yeah. it was kind of easy to play, but it was very wobbly. Okay. Yeah. So when I started to do some side movement, I mean, at that time I didn't do too much, but I already felt like this is very, um, it's not very sturdy and very stable. Yeah. I still have this pedal at home. I Sometimes still yeah, yeah. I still have it at home. I try it out, but it's just... Uh, a pain in the ass a little bit that you cannot adjust the beat there it's just fixed in this oh, position really? yeah. <laughs> yeah but you get a lot of punch out of it and uh, it was nice to start with it but i would recommend iron cobra iron cobras okay great which double bass pedal are you using right now charge Kopita. it's you <laughs> if you don't <laughs> know, you yet, know yeah. now you know <laughs> <laughs> the polish tank the okay polish tank. direct drive pedal yeah okay Let's shortly talk about your pedal settings right now. But that I mean spring tension, beta angle, and beta weight. Do you use heavier betas or 
like lighter beaters? Um, spring tension, I would probably always go, doesn't matter which pedal I have, I would go for medium to high. Mm -hmm. Too high makes for me, it makes it difficult to play mid-tempo to slow stuff because the pedal wants to push back all the time and you will lose a lot of force by just controlling the pedal. The rebound helps you though on the other side to play fast. That's why I recommend something in the middle. So you have the advantage while playing fast. The beater comes faster back. You have a little bit of uh, help from the spring. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, not too much. Uh, so and on my charger computer it's on seventh position right now. Mm -hmm. It's like more than 45 degrees beater angle. Oh, yes. Like this is the bass drum heads. Yeah, beater. I put also the beater back. Okay, so further back. Yeah. Further back. Um, I used to have it a bit closer. You have then some sort of indicator on the top. Mm. Um, I used to put it back one step. Now I'm at one and a half to two. Depends how I feel, but now I actually like the two position. Mm -hmm. It's just okay. way more punch, um, a bit less speed, but it, the volume is completely different. Okay, yeah. And beater. Many years I've played Iron Cobra beaters, uh, but I had some issues with them, like mm -hmm. metal was breaking, mm -hmm. and I need something to rely on when I play live shows. I, I, it cannot happen that beater, it should not happen. Should not happen yeah. So if I can avoid it, that's why I give the original beaters a try. At first, honestly, I was afraid that I will break a lot of skins with this heavy beater, so I avoided it. Yeah. But the opposite is the case. I break less skins with it. Mm -hmm. um, it's heavier gives it a more of a smack sound um, okay. yeah and um, it's actually a cool beater you just cannot get it too far out because then the weight is ridiculous it's okay okay so you have to find the right setting with it but otherwise now I definitely would go for the heavy beaters of charge to there yes the heavy charge yeah, okay great next one <laughs> what sticks do you use and do you prefer lighter or heavier sticks in general I prefer heavier sticks. Mm -hmm. I go heavier and heavier as I get older for yeah. some weird reason. <laughs> I remember starting out with Mike Portnoy promo sticks. Really? Toothpicks. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know. <laughs> then eventually I changed to some weird combinations out of uh, 5B with a round tip. Mm -hmm. um, I just felt like they have a nice rebound, but they destroyed the skins very easy. Mm -hmm. Then I had 2Bs. I felt like they're a bit too short and now and too light especially when you put tape on and I put tape on right mm -hmm. now yeah the weight shifts ah, yeah. the weight shifts I kind of like when the they're heavy in the front mm -hmm. I don't like it when it's too like too light yeah uh, and so when I put the tape on on my the sticks I used before I was like hmm, I don't know I have the grip but I just have to push way more than I want to mm -hmm. let's give even a bigger one, like a, even a thicker one, I try. Okay. And now I ended up on the ProMark 419, which is okay. that's the series, what it's called. It is a bit longer and a bit thicker than a 2B, mm -hmm. so you can reach further stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it has more weight. And then I put also the tape on it, which means you have like a tree in your hand. <laughs> it's good for your self-confidence. Yeah. Like when you go on stage, I had the feeling with like thin sticks, I have to hold them even harder to not lose them. Mm -hmm. And with this tape, it's just like, okay, you have this thing in your hand, like, okay, I can hold on to them. Okay, okay. Um, what kind of tape do you use right now for the drumstick? Uh, this is actually a cheap overgrip tape for uh, tennis racket. Uh, for tennis racket, okay. You know, I buy, uh, I tell you the truth, for me, normal sticks tape is very expensive. If I would imagine like 
especially if it would play even more with Rimshot, it would be too expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still in this league of drama where you you have to buy your things, especially sticks. You know, that's yeah. the truth. So um, I tried to find the alternative, mm -hmm. and um, you can buy a very cheap overgrid tape like 60 pieces at once mm -hmm. and I, I, I cut it in half like one overgrip tape is for one pair oh, okay. like this one pair of sticks yeah, okay. so 60 tapes means 60 sticks mm -hmm. great next one do you trigger your bass drum and if so which triggers are you using yes of course I, I trigger my kick drums and I'm totally fine with that yeah. <laughs> I don't feel ashamed of it um, because it's a necessary tool and discussions about it are just making everybody, every metal drummer tired. And, yeah. Um, so yes, I do use them, of course, mainly live. And I really like roll-on triggers because they have always worked. I used in the past, in my early days, I had a couple of D-drum triggers and they always broke. Uh, the red shot? The red mm -hmm. shot. There mm -hmm. was always a misfunction with the cable, like with the connection inside. Okay. I don't know why. For me, it made more sense that they're more durable because they were made out of metal. So metal is harder, right? Mm -hmm. But the electronics, I don't know, maybe I was just unlucky. Mm -hmm. But I still have my first triggers from Roland and they survived, I don't know how many hundred shows and years of touring. Okay. And a good tip for your triggers is um, how to, to store them properly is just take uh, a Tupperware, a thin mm -hmm. one, yeah. put them inside with a little bit of foam it's like a hard case for uh, triggers. triggers. I still have the same, this, the same uh, box from the beginning on, and it's the same triggers inside, and they're not even broken ones. Yeah, great. So great tip. That's <laughs> uh, something worth to check out. Yeah. Which grip are you using when playing fast single strokes with your hands? Fast single strokes. You mean where the thumb is? Yeah. It switches depending on my hand. Can I say it like this? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Because it does, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that it's like something like this. I don't go mm -hmm. fully. What is okay, it? The no, French or which is the. That's German grip? Yeah. And that's the French? That's the French grip, and in between is some kind of American grip. I think I'm more on the American side. Mm -hmm. But there. <laughs> <laughs> this? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and it really depends. Uh, before we did this workout and I, I felt like when I had to play it loud and some kind of triplet feeling, I had the thumb on the, on the top, mm -hmm. I, yeah. but it's like this rotation going on in the wrist. Yeah. So I tried to get the maximum out of it and I felt like, okay, try to play a lot from the wrist and control a little bit with the fingers, push it if necessary. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's in between and what I do is with my left hand, um, because at blast beats you want to have a loud snare, so I try to push really. As I do like you do some sort of rotation. You have a system. Yep. Yep. I do it more to use a little bit of different muscles here and yep. there. Yep. So it depends the wrist, the elbow, or even an up and down motion. Mm -hmm. Also okay. Yeah. Double bass, full technique at slow and mid tempos. Are you using a mix of hip flexors and calf muscles or is it just hip flexors at tempos from 1 to 170 beats per minute? No, it definitely is a mix and it's a change also depending on the tempo. Like mm -hmm. 
slower tempos I play more from the hip flexor it's more of a stomping motion mm -hmm. and uh, it was around 130 already where I started to incorporate a bit more of the, the, the calf muscle, the calf yeah. muscle yeah. Mm -hmm. so at this area around 140 I tried to get more out of the the calf muscle and the ankle motion it's more comfortable than the stomping motion mm -hmm. yeah I get more power from the full leg but it's it depends on on the speed really and that's why I change so it's it's gonna be a mix at a certain tempo up um, above this tempo yeah. it's gonna be only the calf only the calf muscle okay yeah. and if you play faster than 170 bpm is 170 bpm the point where you switch to the swivel technique consciously or unconsciously consciously when it's especially a long part if it's a long yeah double kick pattern straight going through like a, you know some sort of tractor tuk -tuk 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 -tuk, all the yeah. time then I would switch to the swivel technique with the thought that I don't have to like I will not cramp up and mm -hmm. I can play longer and louder I can pull off this tempo without the swivel technique but on the long that's term okay yeah. but that's an interesting point you could like for example let's say at 180 190 if it's for a short period of time you can play regular heel up using a calf muscle as well. So you yeah, don't yeah. have to like switch totally to the swivel technique. No, 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 time. it's not necessary. The swivel technique here just helps me to really play very long patterns. When you mm -hmm. look at some power metal drummers where there's constantly the 16 notes kicks running mm -hmm. through, that's actually a good exercise to do. Just take some power metal, speed metal stuff, which is a bit like, which is lower than 200, but mm -hmm. most of the songs are like this. Or motorhead songs, great mid-tempo workout. Mm -hmm all the time double kick played yeah. five minutes through you can it's gonna burn but it's exactly good exercise good. so yes i can play it without the swivel mm -hmm. too but uh, because i i know this technique and it's just i need less energy i will definitely go for it, go for it. okay okay about the swivel technique let's dissect it a bit your right foot for the first stroke with the swivel technique do your is your ankle moving out to the right side or into the left side right foot stronger foot so he does the first hit first of all to mention that and then what he does um, he swings in for some kind of the first whip but there is no hit happening so he kind of takes the movement mm -hmm. like, and then you go on the on the outside in my case so I, I push right and this is where the first stroke happens okay okay and for the left foot the same no, left foot is not going out. The left foot does the opposite. He actually goes in. So you have like this. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's kind of following like what the right does. What yeah. the right does rather than, you know, like if the right goes out, you think, okay, the left one has to also go out. There is this option. There are drummers that do like this. Mm -hmm. I think even the majority is doing like that. Yep. Probably even George does, George Colias and Ken also does this. Like Ken? That. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay. But somehow this is what developed with me. It made more sense mm -hmm. and it felt like, ah, okay, I can learn this movement faster, this wave movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it works out fine for you. So. It works <laughs> fine. Uh, this would be tricky for me now to, to switch this because it just mm -hmm. saved in my head. Yeah, muscle memory. It's muscle like memory like crazy. Mm, yeah. <laughs> All right. One more question about the foot technique. When you start and stop a bass drum pattern, do you press your bass drum beater against the bass drum head or do you stop right before the bass drum head? Um, I had to do this with like behemoth stuff. Mm -hmm. 
because Inferno's playing for me was like almost like a machine gun. You know, the trigger has to be all the time ready, and then it shoots out a million bullets per second. <laughs> yeah. While compared to Decapitated, it was like a lot of longer periods of time double kick and not so fast. And there it was like you could probably play a drum fill, which helps you go into the double kick pattern. So I remember certain parts in Behemoth song, I had to look at my left foot and just push against the beat, like against the pedal. So mm -hmm. the beater touches already the skin to have the first hit that there's some sort of pretend, like some tension already there in the spring. Ah, okay. To start the pattern, this quick pattern better. But usually I don't rest the beater there. Mm -hmm. uh, what I do is now, uh, it kind of moves close. Mm -hmm like to get the pretension, yeah. but it doesn't touch it actually. Ah, okay. So it's like, tuck. And then you <laughs> start playing, okay. Double bass practice. Do you ever get fatigued and tired? And if so, do you take days off of drumming? Yes, I do. Um, it's important for me and I think it's important for everybody to also know your limits. And when your body screams for some break, mm -hmm. you should definitely give him the break or do something else. You can be still active. It also, it's also a good idea to maybe skip drumming for one day, but you, mm -hmm. you do some sports, you know, just do other things like be still active, but you use different muscles and actually let the drumming muscles rest a bit. Mm -hmm. And yes, yeah, so I also get tired. And um, when I have those days, sometimes I go 10 minutes in the room and I feel like it's really crap. And then mm -hmm. I, I leave. You leave. And uh, regarding Activities that don't involve drumming, do you, which kind of sport do you do? Mm, a mix of different things. I, I do like running, but I get, I get bored if it's too long. Yeah. So the distances are under 10 kilometers. So 10 okay. would be the maximum. Uh, I usually like to go run a bit faster, around five kilometers, just mm -hmm. to have more the pulse of playing faster stuff mm -hmm. yeah. to kind of simu like simulate it. Um, this is what I like to do. I really like mountain biking because again, you have the, those peaks and yeah. like, you know, some interval in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, and if we talk about power, like about weights, I just use my body weight. I, I'm, I'm not fitness center guy who is going to lift some weights. Yeah, you're not in the gym. No, a gym is for me not, I know people need it. Some of them need it to be motivated. Mm -hmm. To do something but to me it works the other way around i prefer to i have the drive to do it yeah. and i want my peace and i learned that or for me the theory is uh, if i use my body weight mm -hmm. the body will only grow to this point muscle mass that it's not limiting you so, you know ah, okay and the exercise you do is like regular push-ups pull-ups yes heavy dips exactly and then uh, make it harder sometimes if you do some um what are they called okay boy a squats, yeah. Squats, my yeah. friends, how could I forget? <laughs> so, if I do squats, uh, mostly I do it with one leg on a ah. like a shaky surface mm -hmm. to get all the small muscles going, which is great to stabilize you while you play drums, especially yeah. with the swivel technique. Certain things like this just make those exercises a bit harder. Okay. But still, you have your body weight, but you will see, you know, uh, shaky uh, surface and mm -hmm. it's much harder. Okay. Yeah, that's what you do. Great. Next question. Now we're going to talk about career advice and practice sessions on tour. 
Kerim, you're working as a full-time musician. How do you manage to stay in shape at the drum kit when you are on tour? And also, how often do you practice per week when you are not on tour? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's two different worlds. Mm -hmm. Being on tour, my main goal is to play a good show. So mm -hmm. the whole day uh, is basically focused on this set, like if it's an hour or longer or short, it doesn't matter. So I want to save the power for this moment just to give everything there. But sometimes you feel, especially when you have no days off and it's like constantly playing every day and you're getting more and more tired. Mm -hmm. I do sometimes do some sort of sports, like in a way that I go running a little bit. I'm not talking about what we mentioned before, like five kilometers with higher speed. No, just really to loosen up or I do some stretching exercises. Another great thing is uh, I use this black roll, like, um, mm -hmm. yeah. So all your, uh, how to say, trigger points mm -hmm. loosen up. Yeah. And um, so it's rather like maintaining a healthy body, mm -hmm. um, not really a workout too much because I had the experience if I do some like power workout in the morning, my power workout is basically loading in, you know, yeah. you <laughs> yeah. loading in, loading up. <laughs> lift all those heavy things. I mean, you have to have, you have to be careful to not destroy your back. Mm -hmm. But if you're the person like I am, which is from the beginning, like when the doors open, the venue, like 10 in the morning, 11 in the morning, I'm the guy that will be till the end, till Luda, that will be there. Mm -hmm. So this is, is my exercise, lifting those heavy cases, yeah. setting up the drums. Um, you know, I like to do everything that's, uh, somehow. It's interesting for me. I'm not only the drummer, I do more than that. So I would consider, yeah, load in, load out, some sort of strength workout, because it is. And uh, but if I would do something more, probably I would feel it at the evening. It doesn't help okay. for me. Mm -hmm. So it's rather than okay, I need some stretch. I need to loosen up. Go a little bit running. Okay, that's it. And what about practicing on tour? Practicing on tour, I don't really do because I play every day anyways. Mm -hmm. um, I do some warm up, but I would never sit down. While I'm on tour and try to learn other things like other songs or something. No, okay. No, okay. I just focus. Really, I focus on the show and try to be consistent every day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and the other question: How often do you practice when you are not on tour? Again, depending on uh, how much things I have to do. Sometimes I have no time to to play drums mm -hmm. because there's simple other things to do, or you know, traveling, or pff, I don't know. There's always other things to do besides drumming. But I try to, let's say we have seven days, I want to have at least four days to five days I want to play. And I usually play two, maximum three hours. Um, per yeah, mm -hmm. per day, not more. Mm -hmm. First of all, I don't have the time and I don't have the focus anymore. Mm -hmm. If you concentrate it for even one hour and you just play uh, with 100% focus, you will get more out of it than like spending eight eight hours at the practice room and just like play a little bit, be frustrated, you know, mm -hmm. like overwork. No, it's yeah. better like, you know. Yeah, way. I totally agree. Yeah. So actually, before you enter the rehearsal room, you already know what you're doing, what you're going to practice that day? Mm, yes and no. I mean, if I have a tour coming up or a show, the chances are like 99.9% .9 that I will go through the set mm -hmm. just to be to have a routine and muscle memory and also self-confidence when I go on stage. I hate it when I, I had no time to really go this, uh, to play the set on my own. 
yeah. before we go on stage. I mean, a day before. Mm -hmm. So even though if I would be tired, I would at least do it just for safety that my brain is sure and my muscles are sure tomorrow on stage, even if you're tired, you will be able to play it. Mm -hmm. You can feel more confident. Um, so this is what I will do most of the time. Besides that, um, if I have nothing to learn, like let's say no session shop, we don't have any shows with septic flesh, uh, I do whatever I want to. Sometimes I would throw in like, okay, I want to focus a little bit more on the kicks today, check if they're clean enough played or do some mini workout, um, or then it would be a groove exercise by just playing to some funk beats like Spotify, playlist, yeah. hip hop songs from the 80s and 90s and just play to this, whatever comes to my mind. It sucks probably most of the time because I'm not used to this, but I have this motivation to grow in these areas. Mm -hmm. So those are the moments where I don't know what I will do. It mm -hmm. happens in the practice room. I'm, okay. not, I'm not too strict with like, this has to be today. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next one. How do you warm up in a live situation? Hands and feet. Important topic and a thing I'm like searching for the right answer for so long. Mm -hmm. It has changed a lot during the years from uh, trying to do some dry warm-up without the pedal and like with practice pads but it never was like I felt anyways I need four songs to, to be ready mm -hmm. so after that like fifth song I'm like okay now this, the show can start so what I've done on the last US tour I was just going for a run believe it or not but before every show okay. um, the, the previous band would play and I know okay this is the last two songs I would just get up in like my drumming shorts it would be minus, I don't know, five degrees out there, but it didn't care. Mm -hmm. Take the hoodie mm -hmm. and I would run around the block like for five minutes, just to the point where I feel like, okay, my brain starts to get more oxygen, more blood. Yeah. Um, my heart is, you know, starting to pump more blood mm -hmm. in the whole body and I start to sweat. This is the moment where I usually come in. And then when you go in the warm, uh, backstage area or in the club you feel all of a sudden how your whole body is like pulsating yeah with blood and so this is a really good workout or not workout a good warm-up for me to just get ready like with my whole body mm -hmm. and i've had like even double double kick patterns work easier with with less problems okay i would still recommend to just do some coordination exercises even if we do the hand or feet but mm -hmm. The running thing and a couple of push-ups and jumps just to, to get your whole body ready for the for the work you're about to do yeah because it's very physical work yeah okay you use small muscles too you have to have this sensitivity you cannot ruin it by heavy weight or like heavy workout mm -hmm. but you still have to be ready you know you have to i had the feeling that um, also my mind is coming down oh, okay. you know you're nervous like okay they're like couple of thousand people out there if it's a big show and you know you can do it but I don't know you have this tension and when I usually go running the fresh air the oxygen you just like you calm down mm -hmm. it's quiet the quiet before the storm yeah, yeah. I put in earplugs I don't hear anything okay. so I just run around some sort of meditation a quick you know think about what's gonna happen next you know focus on what you have to do warm up and then destroy <laughs> then destroy. Perfect. Now I want to talk about your career, like from nine years ago or eight years ago till now. You've been playing drums for Decapitated, 
then you filled in for a behemoth and now you're a permanent member of septic flesh what are the big differences between those three bands for you drumming wise there are a couple of differences yeah yeah for sure musically and drumming wise too uh so far all of those bands i've always kind of took over a role from my previous drummer you know it was mm -hmm. like never that i started a band uh, from zero yeah so that's what they have in common but um yeah with decapitated it is very much like you have those four people on stage and you have to slay with your skill and with the groove you have and with the there's no theatrical show behind it mm -hmm. yeah so cargo yeah. shorts whatever t-shirt doesn't matter but you have to you have to play super tight which was always the main focus mm -hmm. we would have practiced all the time before every show we'd practice a couple of days before and sometimes play songs very slow and make sure that we are like this pop okay. guitar bass vocals and drums and it was like a train hitting you mm -hmm. so this is i think the main focus with decapitated was really like on your playing skills mm -hmm. rather than the show yeah. with behemoth it was very difficult in a short period of time to get used to this i would say more old school drumming you know i'm when you look at inferno he's an amazing drummer and he pulls it off i don't know how he does it because when i look at him his technique is something i would probably never do it's like mm -hmm. completely different close your eyes and it's so tight open yeah. it and you're like how why but it <laughs> yeah. works so to squeeze in in the, his style of playing and play those beats was way more complicated than I thought. How many days did you have to prepare for the Behemoth gig? Uh, ten songs, uh, not ten songs, ten days it was. Yeah. But we started earlier, so I would say a week, a week for 14 songs. <laughs> yeah, and when I remember yeah. the day when he called, Orion called me, I was just like, you know, playing some softer music before I did a session job, which was um, some rock melodic rock stuff yeah. so okay. no blast beat no double kicks nothing yeah. so i was like okay okay now i have to get my speed back in this short time which mm -hmm. was crazy um so i had to really fight with this old school drumming a bit um and so this was the, the biggest difference like to what i would usually do is yeah. very old school drumming and with septic flash i feel it is the closest to the drummer I wanna be. Mm -hmm. When I when I learned the the drum parts from Fortis and it just felt very natural. I would yeah. say that his way of choosing the drum beats or it felt way more natural. I could learn them quicker. Mm -hmm. uh, so because it has uh, some groovy parts, it has some fast parts. It's a combination of everything. And also Behemoth and Septic Flesh, they're more theat theatrical show. So mm -hmm. it's not only that you have to play tight, yes, but there's this thing like how you present yourself on stage, you wear outfits, you wear corpse paint, sometimes there's fire with behemoth, septic flesh not, but still, you know, there's a, a different attitude, Yeah, a show, more of a show. Of a show. Yeah. yeah, true. Okay, time management. How are you able to manage playing live for septic flesh, recording solo albums constantly, being active on social media, on a daily basis, you're very active, all while still doing session shops as well. So I think your daily schedule is pretty packed and full. Mm -hmm. So explain to us how you do it. It is very full, yes. And how I do it, yeah, a lot of it is self-made. Like I have the drive in me to, to do things I hate the most to be... No, how does it like? I'm, I would wish to be bored, mm -hmm. 
because I haven't had it for so long <laughs> that I miss the feeling of being bored mm -hmm. because it never happens. I don't know how people can watch Netflix because I have no time for Netflix or TV. Yeah. Because I wake up in the morning and just there are a hundred things that are running through my head what I have to do. Yeah. From like, okay, I want to go practice. So this is probably the first thing in the morning. So I go play, pray. I play for a couple of hours. Then I come back home. Then there's a life besides drumming too. You know, you have to cook yourself something. You have to go to the store. You have to buy some food while these emails are coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe upload a video for what you just recorded in the practice room for social media. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes even before practicing, I would check if there's an order of my solo project, like uh, yeah. CDs and mm -hmm. stuff. So I would go first to the post office, then practice, then home, eat, do all the emails. Afternoon would be probably things like uh, cutting a video if necessary, edit a mm -hmm. video or trying to do something with songwriting. Mm -hmm. Not so much playing drums, rather than all the other things. Emails, septic flash stuff, visa things, mm -hmm. um, yeah, this kind of stuff. Also, a lot of things I don't post, which you don't see, but I'm constantly doing something till the evening. Mm -hmm. um, and it's tricky, and I have those moments, especially this summer, was there was so much things going on like one session shop after another or a different band wants something and then Septic Flash and now we start working on a new album that I find it difficult to do things simultaneously on the guy that, that wants it one after another. Mm -hmm. So I try to plan it in this way like, okay, I will do it for you, but I need still a week to do this and then I will focus on your stuff if somebody um, asks me yeah. to do session shop. Okay, so you, you got your priorities straight up, you got your time schedule for the next couple of days so yeah. you know what you're gonna do and you're gonna focus on yes. and if I offer you a job for example as a session grammar you would tell me okay in two weeks from now I've got time for that but not now correct okay. I would say like look I have this still going on mm -hmm. um, especially now like I just did a recording session and there was the next one waiting and I had to say like, okay let me finish this first because I want to make a job 100% mm -hmm. and I want to focus on your songs and maybe like change certain parts, which means I need to listen to the songs, I need to play through them, give it some time mm -hmm. and adjust. This is what I want. Okay. And then I'm sure that I make a good job. So, and usually people don't have such a stress, they can wait. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a person that wants to do things, I want to have things done. Mm -hmm. So don't worry, I will push myself anyways yeah. all the time. This is what you need, you need to have a drive. But I tell you, at certain moments, with this whole social media, it is at a point where I would, would actually love to throw the phone against the wall and I would wish it's not there. But I know it has to be done and I know it's part of what we do. Mm -hmm. And especially nowadays, uh, if you want to be a drama that everybody knows or not everybody knows, that you stay in the business, you have to do it. But believe me, if I would have a choice, if it would work without it, I would love to not be active on mm. Because I lose a lot of time with this. Um, you know, time I could spend with friends and family or doing other things or be bored. You know? Or be bored. <laughs> yeah. All right. What advice would you give someone who wants to join a bigger band just like you did? Um, you have to earn respect. And what I mean is this is something that takes years. And I also realized how this business works. You have to always try to do your job as good as you can. Even if you have problems with other people in the business, try to be as you know, correct as you can and mm -hmm. try to don't piss on anyone's leg mm -hmm. because it will always backfire. 
and people will talk about you in the business so if you do your job good you know i i got the call from behemoth for a reason because we played a tour together mm-hmm. in 2010 uh and then 2013 they called me because they remember like how i played how i acted what i did they saw that i'm someone who uh tries to do his job as good as as he can mm-hmm. you know i'm not the party guy i will always focus on what has to be done mm-hmm. uh so people are talking and that's what i what i would give you an advice is to don't have a headliner attitude because you just joined a big band you should never have it in my opinion even if you're a huge band for example one of my biggest like for me one of the biggest bands right now is uh Mishuga, for example mm-hmm. And those are the most loveliest guys you can imagine. When we did a tour together, we were decapitated. And Meshuga, I was, I was surprised how chill those people are mm-hmm. uh, and human beings. Um, of course, you have to treat them with respect and stuff, but I just like that they're normal people. And this is what I would totally advise you. You have to build up a respect. You know, what if this, with this one band it doesn't work out? What, you want to have another band? Yeah, but if, you, if you're this headliner guy or would be drunk all the time or you know, just doesn't do his job right, the chances will be very high that he will not find anything because mm-hmm. it's already difficult. Yeah, yeah, it's, already... it's very difficult to keep what you have. And to, but for me, respect was always the most important. Mm-hmm. Even if there are some people who are like, ah, okay, this guy is shady business. Or, but I tried to still you know, maybe stay away, but have a respect. Second to last question. What are your plans like gigs, tours, studio sessions and YouTube videos for the rest of 2018? Tour-wise, there is no tour. Mm-hmm. So we have probably one or two shows coming up with Septic Flash. For sure one, but the other one I don't know. Because with Septic Flash, the, uh, the main focus is right now writing a new album. Mm-hmm. We just switched the new label. We, we switched to Nuclear Blast. And this will be the first album on this label. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that it's even better than the one before. So we took the time off to write ideas. So this is what I will have to do now. Uh, besides that, I have uh, two drum clinics coming up. Okay, when and where? Uh, one in Poland on the 11th of uh, November mm-hmm. in Schlansk, in Chorzów. It is sponsored by Mindel. <laughs> Okay. So there's a, a bunch of cool minor drummers there. Uh, and the other one is going to be on the, if I'm, if I'm correct, 25th of November, also November, in Romania. Again, with a couple of cool other drummers. Uh, so if you're in this area, please feel, feel free to come here. It would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is something we'll have to focus on. Session shop-wise, there's another thing happening, like I have to start now to, to record some songs for a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I will have time to do my own solo project, like more stuff. Yeah. Probably not, because if I want to be creative with Septic Flesh, I remember it was, it was great, but also very time-consuming and exhausting. And now you have to be even more picky with the ideas. So yeah. you cannot just like write a riff and think, Okay, this is the final one. Mm-hmm. Two days later, you're like, ah, oh, this is shit. It needs to be new. So okay. I want to have no shows in a way. Okay, here at Drum Clinic and stuff, but we have to do the album. Mm-hmm. The majority of the album will be done now, that's why. Okay, yeah. that's the main focus. Yeah, and then uh, we will probably start with some tours in January. We'll see. Okay. But till end of 2018, that's the plan. That's the plan. Okay. Be finally at home, you know, also. And then- <laughs>
Uh, YouTube videos. Yes, I want to do some YouTube videos. I have done a couple in the last month, which are not released yet. Mm -hmm. Just wait. Which ones? No, not covers. Tell us. No, no, okay. not covers. It's sorry, no covers. <laughs> Um, no, it's just some, some stuff I did with some friends. Mm -hmm. uh, it's gonna be some faster stuff. So I'm waiting for for their final mix. And just uh, three days ago or so, I did some drum tour video, which I'm mm -hmm. editing right now, which we split it in three parts where drum nerd like crazy. Mm -hmm. I just talk about everything, like what drums I use, why, skins, pedals, uh, sticks symbols ah, okay. so it's like 20 minutes something like this each video mm -hmm. super nerdy talk no playing but talk <laughs> but talking okay great so Kerim thank you very much for being here at the Drum Technique podcast now it's time to say goodbye your final words for our audience first of all to you thank you for the invitation I have thank to you. say and also I'm really really happy that there's another drummer from Austria who achieved you know, a big thing because your course is great and I see the response it has. So I want to say first thanks to you and thanks for the invitation. Um, and for my fans, thanks for watching and you should definitely uh, never give up playing or like try to always find some inspiration in what you do. Even if it's like, ah, okay, I don't want to play fast stuff anymore. Go in a different direction. Be hungry, be patient and work hard. This is usually what leads you for some success. Well, great final words. Thank you for that. All right, guys, that's it for today. Have a great day. Cheers from Vienna. Bye. See ya. Bye-bye.